8 o'clock, Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. As we continue our uh, technologically challenged morning here on the program. Thank you. Yeah, that, uh, you're welcome. Hey, oh, wait. Oh, wait a minute. I jun- we, Junior engineer Chris yeah. Britt, I think, might have fixed it here. Did he? Maybe? Hold on. I don't know. Let's see. Does this mic work? It does. Oh, good. Okay. Let's just one. test everything. Hey, that mic's on. <laughs> Got dial tone. Let's just test everything. Yeah. And make well, sure all of it works today. You never know when it's time for an upgrade on some different uh, you know, stuff, so you got to yeah. try it out. Eh? I have to tip of the hat to... Uh, to Bobby Carmen, our mm-hmm. IT guy, and you, sir. Yeah, well, Thank uh, you. yeah, I just, I just, rebooted. junior engineer. Yeah. Of course, is that Mr. Henson, though? Yeah, assistant he's the to the manager. Engineer. Yeah, so what? You're the assistant to the assistant? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not even an apprentice, I don't think. I'm like a hod carrier or something like Deputy that. Deputy, well, junior, assistant. Whatever, man, you, you, you got to figure it out. Well, we'll see if it actually works. It's not fixed well, yet, so. We'll see. Good luck. We'll see. Good I luck. got dial tone. You got, we got dial tone. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's half the battle. I, all right, fine. Well, job well done. Yes. You know, that's teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. I just need the it number does. of the dude we're going to call. Well, that would be one, uh, yeah. Mike Kruger. Yes. And so. that should be on your rundown. Which, I, I don't have one. Which I Maybe. thought I, oh, did I not save it? Oh, I did not save it. Oh, well, I mean. That's not good. Thought in I'd the grand it. scope of things, that's like ninth on the list of things today. Yeah, so. I thought that All I'd, told, that's not bad. I thought that I had saved it, it's so okay. well, but, I I had my yeah. pole dancing all laid out, and oh, did and you lose it all? I lost it all. <gasps> oh, that's not gonna be good. Our pole dancing top five NFL, top five college football this morning. We're doing most interesting minor bowl game, so like non New Year's Six, non college football playoff championship game is going to be on my birthday, which. I either may have a passing interest in or maybe totally overtakes the entire day. <laughs> so there, it could go one way or the other, and there's really no in-between. Either I'm going to be so angry about how Georgia just totally kicked our tails or I'm going to be locked in and have absolutely nothing else going on that day. But I have my top five most interesting minor bowl games, and some of them are very tenuous as to why I find them interesting, and it's only interesting to me. So we'll have that coming up about 35, 40 minutes or so, somewhere around there. With the phones working, we have all intents and purposes getting our Broncos report with Mike Rice, brought to you uh, by Modern Classic Motors and Gallagher's Flooring. That's coming up here in about 20 minutes. We're efforting Mike Kruger coming I'm, up here in I'm just a few minutes. I'm going to text, text you, me the number. To text you his Sweet. number because I thought I'd saved all my other stuff. That's okay. And... Uh, I did not. We, we can my make apologies it work. on that. So we'll I make just, it happen. I just sent, I just texted Mike yeah. that we plan on calling him. Yep. Uh, Wyatt Thompson, I think we'll probably have Wyatt back. Um, he said he's available this morning, mm-hmm. so maybe we can get Wyatt a little bit later on. Yeah, maybe we. I don't know. Maybe what uh, nine o'clock hour? Yeah, later we, this hour. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what's uh, what works for Wyatt. But uh, do you have Mike's number? If you got Mike's number, let me look here. I, I do not have a text just. Yet, I thought I sent it to you. Let's, jeez. <laughs> Maybe all of our issues are boiling down to you know, cell phone carriers. Who knows? Who who knows? Who knows? It's entirely possible. It's been, I said, one. It's of been those. a morning for sure. It it's, was uh, when we got here this morning, and then you know, into now. Okay, so I sent it again. Okay, let's see if hopefully this time you're able to get it. So, yep, text in today. We'll have a Triple Play Records Stadium Cinema coming up in a little bit. Your chance to win the downtown double play of Triple Play. Give certificate to Triple Play Records on Main Street, where if you're thinking about getting into disc golf, it's the place to go. Talk to Rock and Matt down there about getting into uh, the Grand Valley Disc Club. Also, they've got uh, tons and tons of vinyl, cool stuff down there on Main Street. And he's... Mall and a pasta salad from Junction Square Pizza, 7th and Main. So we're going to grab Mike Kruger here in just a moment. He is the commissioner of the Colorado High School Activities Association. And joining us this morning on the Jim Davis Show, Mike Kruger. Mike, I appreciate it. Thank you for bearing with us this morning. It's been um, a morning of uh, of technical challenges. 
but I think we've been able to no worries, bud. To, to soldier on. I think we've been able to do that, Mike. We appreciate the time. Hey, uh, we just okay. wrapped up the football season with the, the state championships on on Saturday, and I know yeah. that uh, the goal down the road is to continue to play games at Empower Field a mile high. Uh, how is that looking in terms of the future for Chassa to still have that that venue where where high school players get to step on the same field as the Broncos? Uh, because I know it sounds like both parties would really like that to continue on. Yeah, there's no doubt. We, I mean, it's such a neat venue, and it, there's a, you know, when you walk onto that field, there's such an ambiance. You know, it's where the Denver Broncos play, and uh, such a great stadium, and you can see. Looks like we're having some. <laughs> of course, we're having cell phone problems today with Mike. Of course, we're having problems. Looks like we're having an issue with uh, with Mike's phone, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to get uh, Mike back on with us in a moment. Um, there we go, Mike. I'm sorry we lost you there, bud. Oh, sorry, bud. Um, are you back? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. We're we're cooking okay. with gas again. Okay, good, bud. Um, anyway, I was just saying, Jim, that it's certainly no doubt that's our top priority. We'd love playing there. We love the opportunity for our kids to compete there. It's it's uh, obviously the an incredible venue with so much history and it's where the Broncos play. And um, so we love it. So it is a, it is a high priority for us at the same time. Um, you know, we love working with the Broncos. We love working with the Colorado sports hall of fame. And, uh, but at the same time, we, we've, we've got to be responsible to our, our schools and our membership. And it's got to be a, uh, a situation that works for all parties involved. And so we will definitely go in and, and hopefully uh, as we negotiate those contracts, uh, we hope, and we it is our, our highest hope, that we can continue to operate there. But, um, again, we need to look at it with open eyes and make sure that we're being responsible. How is the relationship to work with CSU Pueblo? Because we had here locally Delta played in, in the state championship game a couple of weekends ago uh, over at Pueblo. Yeah. It seems like that's a relationship that, that has worked out pretty well. Part of that was kind of came together because of COVID and in and that yeah. in that situation, but it seems like it's something that's turned into a, a real positive for, for the football postseason. I'll tell you what's really, yes, I 100% agree. And the thing that's exciting about that partnership, the community of Pueblo just uh, really rallies around this, and, and they do such a good job. They're so inviting. They're so welcoming. Uh, the, like I said, the community gets involved. CSU Pueblo, the personnel there uh, just do a phenomenal job of working with us during those uh, actually it's over two weekends because we have 3A down there as well um, the following weekend so really uh, just lucky to have that group working with us and and we think it's a great venue Uh, the uh, you know it's a beautiful stadium a beautiful field and um, it's nice you know talking with the six and eight eight man football schools and as well as 1A, 2A and 3A um, everybody seemed to have just a really great time, and, and they really accommodated uh, the, the fans and the programs, and it was just a great experience. And, of course, we had Dove Creek, uh, you know, of course, way, way south of us, uh, right there on the Utah border, winning their first state football championship. So kind of a, yeah. a cool thing that somebody on this side of the hill, and, of course, we had Delta in the, in the state title game this year in 2A as well. So some Western Slope-ish representatives uh, playing in in-state championship games uh, this past season. Chassa Commissioner Mike Kruger with us today. So, Mike, when we look ahead to next football season, some of the things that people, that, that high school football fans can expect to see next year? What are some of the, the changes on the horizon? Well, we're in the middle of a, a classification cycle. So uh, what that means is that we're, we're right now uh, working really, really, really hard. John Sullivan, who's just done an amazing job stepping in and taking over football for us as assistant commissioner in charge of football. Uh, he's working on the, the placements for programs. So that's always uh it's a it's a fun time, but it's also a really anxious time because schools are are always wondering them want to make sure that find out where they are. And we've changed that process a little bit to try to increase communication between the schools and our staff. And um, but it's in, uh, the the football uh, placements are the only ones that the state actually does. So the rest of uh, yeah, I don't know how many people know that, but but in terms of like volleyball, basketball, actually the membership places themselves in leagues, and we approve those. Uh, it's kind of a symbiotic thing, but football, the state's asked to do it. So it's a little bit of added responsibility, and John has undertaken that. So 
uh, we'll be in the process of that. And then looking forward, we keep looking uh, ahead. And obviously, we always remain very uh, focused on athlete wellness and, and safety. So we, we're constantly looking at, at uh, any pro- protocols, procedures relative to athlete uh, safety, especially in, in football. And, um, you know, we work with our sports medicine advisory committee on that. So right now, um, we're kind of, to be honest with you, Jim, we're just, as the season just wrapped up Saturday, now we will have uh, a couple of uh, opportunities to sit down with stakeholders and say, how did things go? What uh, what do we need to address? And we'll start looking at those things. Chassis Commissioner Mike Kruger joining us today on uh, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Uh, so, Football is is now in the books for this year. We, we, we turned the page to basketball. We had the Warrior Challenge uh, just this uh, past week at at Central High School, a tournament you're very familiar with during your time coaching yep. at, at Palisade High School. So uh, now that we're into the start of basketball season, and when we talk about some changes in terms of leagues and classification and things like that, uh, there there some of the league configurations, Mike. I'm I'm just I'll, I'll use the it's interesting, some of the league configurations. Uh, yeah. Take us through some of this, because there's there's been some folks, like with, with Fruto Monument being the only 6A team here on this side of the hill in both uh, boys and girls basketball, Palisade being in a league that only has four teams actually in its league. Take us through some of this, because when it came out, we were real perplexed on some of this. Uh, enlighten us on, on, on why maybe a couple, I mean, obviously with, with Fruto, they're the largest high school here on this side of the hill. But boy, it right. just doesn't seem like they should be a six A program. Uh, just your your thoughts and, and and how some of these things came together. Yeah, I think we're in a little bit of a well. And I'll be honest with you, coming in, uh, there was a few things that changed over the last few years, and multi classification leagues were one of those. Um, you know, we used to talk quite a bit, and I know on the West Slope we we certainly used to talk about competitive equity, and um, you know, and. And how do we make sure that programs are, are in positions to compete equally? And uh, if you remember, we used to classify schools just with the basketball numbers. So your basketball, where, where you were placed with basketball, became where you, all of your programs were placed, with, of course, the exception of football, which the state did. So, um, you know, in the last few years, what we've done is we've really, uh, the reality of multi-classification leagues have become a thing. And um, I'll be honest with you, I'm still adjusting to that, um, um, to that perspective. I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. I, I like uh, traditional league rivalries. I love district tournaments. I love regional play. Um, but that's me. And I realize that we're a membership-driven organization. And um, right now, again, the membership decides on their league placements. We place programs, um, you know, for volleyball, basketball in this sense, uh, in this example, uh, the, we will place the program, but the, the, the schools and the membership themselves create their own league. So it does create an interesting dynamic when you have uh, a school like Fruta who's, who's a little bit bigger than the other schools. But I think there's also that uh, feeling where we have to look at some of those dynamics. I can tell you um, that our staff has sat down and really talked about this with leagues and, and with our own staff and said, um, I understand that the pendulum in the last few years swung to multi-classification leagues and trying to make as many things balanced as possible. So in other words, you know, placing a, a softball program and a volleyball program, you could, have, you could have programs that one is 4A and one is 3A um, in the same school. That's a reality. But I also think it's important that we let the pendulum swing back a little bit to making decisions that are based on geography and what makes sense. Um, from a geography standpoint. In other words, it doesn't make sense to me to be playing in a high school where we've had a traditional rivalry and we drive by that high school to play a game uh, with someone else that's 10 or 15 miles down the road because of what we call competitive equity. And I totally respect and understand wanting to compete against programs that, you know, so can be successful. But uh, like I tell everybody here, that is a little bit of an I-25 corridor mentality because when you get on the western slope, geography determines your competitive equity. When you get out on the eastern plains, geography determines your competitive equity. So we've got to balance those things and maybe bring geography a little bit back into the picture. Mike Kruger, the commissioner of uh, the Cabra High School Activities Association, uh, joining us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. And, and you know, for Palisade, it's a, it's a 5A, 4A Western Slope League. They're now a 5A program with 
with the inclusion of or the, the creation, I should say, of, of a six A classification, and so they you know they do play. They have rifle, which is rival over the years with with Palisade, but uh, but you know a, a different classification uh, with the rifle bears. And it's it's a bit of a hodgepodge where they you know they do play Fruita Monument and Central, which which make term you know make a lot of sense in terms of of geography and things like that. So it is a it, it, and Montrose is is in that mix as well. Uh, so it's really a an interesting combination of, of of schools. Some of them make total sense because of geography, which is something that you're speaking to. In the case of Palisade, yes, there are only f- three other teams in their five A league, if you will, but they are playing other other schools, other classifications during their schedule. Yeah, a, a great example. And and I'll, again, I'll be honest, I'm I'm still adjusting to the multi classification league. Uh, perspective. Um, I know we, we have a lot of uh, support for it uh, across the state. A lot of folks like it because it, it does allow some more flexibility um, and it puts programs in place. It is, you know, where, where they puts programs in places where they feel they can be successful. Um, I do sometimes worry about what that does to smaller classifications. You know, when you're in those 1A ranks to begin with, where do you go? Um, who do you play? As we continue to move things around and we move schools up and down, but I think at the end of the day, Jim, I think there's true efforts, um, you know, that we've got an amazing staff uh, that loves to work with the leagues on this, and as we place programs, make sure that we're doing it uh, in a way that makes sense for the community and makes sense for the school. That's the one thing that we really, I feel, have addressed coming in, uh, and, and folks said, um, my first day on the job, they said, the thing you need to get on your radar right away is the, the clock process. The clock is the classification league organization committee and how we're placing schools and to be honest with you um, I think one of the things that we've done really well is we've created a new process that will allow communication to happen with schools um, earlier in the process and really talk to communities talk to the school leaders there and even if you um, you know hopefully we can come to agreement and you can understand a school can understand why a, a program was placed in a specific place in a, or of a specific classification and even at the end of the day if we disagree you'll be able to go back to your community and say hey this is what the state was thinking this is why this program was placed here and we do still have an appeals process i think the problem we were having um you know recently is um that you were placed in a program and then there was um, not an opportunity to really talk with the schools in the community and you just had to immediately go to the appeals process and that was I feel was uh, something we could definitely do better. It's just the more communication that happens early, the better, and people know where they stand, and you can certainly have a lot of debate and dialogue going into those kinds of uh, discussions. Chassis Commissioner Mike Kruger with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, not just basketball uh, getting going, but, but wrestling as well, and anything you want to highlight when it comes to the start of the wrestling season. Wow, I'll tell you, um, we're just excited. It's such a great sport. I can tell you one thing that's coming forward, Jim, and I, I, the reason that wrestling pops in my mind when you, when you ask that question, we've been working really hard on the pay structure for officials, and um, that's been a current issue. I know you and I have talked about that one in previous conversations. Um, wrestling one, one was one that was really a little bit of a challenge, so um, because there's such a variety of different formats um, in terms of you can have duels with different schools, you can have triangulars, quadrangulars, then you get into tournaments and bracket play. Um, so we, we really worked with the Colorado Wrestling Officials Association as well as schools uh, to, to get that part figured out. It was uh, one of the more challenging ones, I'll be honest with you, but I think we've got a, a structure together that the membership's going to see here shortly. Um, actually, it's out. Um, it was just released yesterday, but it'll be uh, there'll be a more formal presentation and vote here coming up in January. But it's been a high priority item for us and our staff. We weren't sure we could uh, we could get it done, to be honest with you, in a way that didn't uh, really impact school budgets to the point where you know we had to think about programs and that kind of thing and where we could make significant cuts. Uh, we did it in a, in a process, a step uh, over a three-year process, which really makes a good impact for officials, but at the same time uh, really respects the, the fact that school budgets are always tight, and uh, we have to do that. So wrestling was one that challenged us there, but in terms of wrestling, we're just excited. We're going to be at Ball Arena again for the state wrestling championships, which is always a great venue, um, and we'd love to host it there. But in girls wrestling continues to grow. 
which we're super excited about there as well. So just a lot of great things happening in, in all our winter sports. And I'll throw ice hockey and, uh, and swim, swimming in there as well. Just uh, really great stuff for all of our kids. Absolutely. And we've seen the growth of, uh, of girls wrestling over here. It's, uh, it's really uh, yeah. grown by leaps and bounds on this side of the hill. And, of course, you're, you're referring to that you look good in stripes initiative that I think is so yeah. far kind of kind of for you, Mike, in your first, you know, 100 days, so to speak, of, of being in charge has been kind of your your signature uh, piece of, uh, I, I guess, program that you put together during this first uh, year of being uh, the commissioner of Chassa. Yeah, Jim, thanks for, yeah, thanks for that. It's, it was, um, again, it was one of those things when July 1 hit, people, you know, the, the board of directors especially, and, and we've known uh, the officials crisis is, is real, and we're moving games. I know it's happening in Grand Junction. I talked to all the ADs over there and Paul Kane frequently, uh, you know, and, and all the Western Slope League folks. It's happening over there as well. I, we stay in great conversation with Chuck Nissen and Bernie Goss and um, all, the, all the gang over there as well. But uh, the fact is, is that officials play such a crucial role. I mean, we can't, we can't have high school sports and activities without officials. We just can't. They're vital partners, and they're, they're crucial. So one of the things we did is uh, coming in is we were asked to what can we do right away and what can we do to get grow the pool of officials and then also address the pay issue. So with, in terms of growing the pool of officials, we, we came up with the You Look Good in Stripes campaign, and what we did is we um, sought funding. Uh, the Chassa Foundation actually stepped up um, this first year, and what we did was uh, found a way to cover all costs for anyone who wanted to get involved in officiating. So if you are a first-time official and you, regardless of sport, want to get involved, we will cover all the background checks, registration fees, testing fees, and you can get started for, for basically no cost. Um, at, and no cost. And then there's some equipment grants involved with that. The other thing we did that I really liked as part of this campaign, it was a big focus uh, for me, was making sure we had an easy call to action. And that what I mean by that is somebody that's interested in officiating, it was sometimes difficult for them to know who do I contact, where do I go, who, who do I even make a phone call to. So we created an easy uh, link, which you can click on either your phone or your uh, computer, and it takes you to a page on our website, and we just collect your name, email, phone number, and then you check boxes of which sports you're interested in, and we take it from there. So um, I am excited to tell you that in the first two weeks, we signed up over 250 new officials in all sports in all parts of the state. And uh, we are super excited about that, and we are into our first month now and looking to, uh, we should get those new numbers here real shortly, but it's been very successful, and we're super excited. Mike Kruger, Chassis Commissioner, joining us on the Jim Davis Show. One final question about officials. Kind of a, a yeah. two-pronged thing. One is the pay, and that's improving, and you're starting to see more numbers in the officiating ranks. Another thing is, thankfully in Colorado, not a huge of a problem as it is in other states, is how these officials are treated by parents and coaches and sometimes players. As your role as Chassis Commissioner, Chassa as a whole, what's your responsibility to hold maybe – schools or locations more accountable for the fans and their treatment of officials who aren't getting paid a ton to be out there to officiate these games? Well, I, I really appreciate that question a lot because it's true, and it's something that we know as a, as a membership, we know as a staff, um, and it continues to be uh, an issue. We're, we're, I'll tell you two things we're focusing on, and, and that is, one, we want to continue to support sportsmanship programs that um and we'll look at some new initiatives there uh, again not being able to tackle everything at once but we're looking at sportsmanship initiatives and encouraging our schools but with that in that same vein we're really working with schools to look at hospitality how do we treat officials when they come to our schools how do we you know can we make sure that they've got a, a nice place to change and some maybe you know bottles of water when they come in at halftime or, or a break uh whenever the break is in their games and their contests um, but make them feel welcome. Have somebody that greets them, takes care of them, lets them know where to go. Um, that's really super important, and we've heard that from officials. So we're doing some educational efforts. You know, we always have a lot of new ADs, and it's not for a lack of desire to do those things. It's just some education and saying, hey, little things can go a long way in taking care of our officials and making sure they feel welcome. And then the other thing that I think is really important, and, and I personally wrote this, um, so I know <laughs> – very well, but we are one of the few states that does not have a state law or even a byline or state um, 
uh, high school's bylaw and constitution handbook that really outlines protection for officials from assault, from verbal abuse. So I, I penned personally a, um, a new bylaw for, that will come before the membership in January that will address um, physical assault, verbal harassment, or even threats to officials by fans. Um, and it will support schools. And the consequences for those behaviors could include up to a permanent ban from any Chassa member event um, and, and a lifetime ban. Of course, there's a wide variety of, of behaviors there, so it could be uh, other consequences as well. But the thing I like about the bylaw is it's, it outlines that the school and the state office specifically spells me out. It says the commissioner and the school will work together to address and come up with appropriate consequences for the, for the assault or for the verbal harassment or threats uh, to an official. So that's something that's new. We're one of the few states that didn't have something like that. And uh, we will, I hope, have it um, here shortly in January uh, to address some of those more extreme types of behaviors that are, are being um, exhibited, but even those that just make officials feel threatened. We need to let them know that we support them, uh, we, we value them, and we're going to work together to protect them. Yeah, Mike, you're doing all the right things on this. I mean, the, the officials... Part of the reason a lot of people don't want to do it anymore is because they they feel intimidated, they're harassed, and and this you know this is the kind of measures that, that have to be taken. Sadly, to to have officials feel comfortable to, to go out and do the work that they do. We're talking with Chas Commissioner Mike Kruger. Uh, Mike, just a couple of other things. Uh, yeah. the, one of these involves what happened to the Fruit of Monument softball team in Valor Christian, and having to yeah. go back over and play one inning. A lot of people, including us, I'll, I'll be honest, we, we didn't quite quite get uh, you know why why they had to go back and play one more inning. Uh, and initially, I mean, I, I understand that because of what it said in the bylaws, that because it was a state you know tournament game, it, it had to be, or at least you know a regional game had to be played to completion. It just seemed it just seemed a little a little odd, a little wonky, and in some in some ways unfair yeah. to Fruit of Monument. You, I know you're involved in that process. Kind of take us through that to explain to people. Why, why Chas made the decision that, that you guys had to make in that case? Yeah, that was a, it was, there is no doubt that was a super, super tough one. And I want to be careful not to, you know, um, push that to anybody else. All, all I can say in that one is it was incredibly hard. Um, and the, the situation, what really, truly, at the end of the day, what happened and what we hope to address in the future is there was miscommunication that happened at the end of the game um, at the plate when the game was canceled, we had one official who had said that the game was at, earlier in the inning had it had or earlier in an earlier inning said to the host site, if we uh, run out of daylight, we're going to have to call this game. And so the site director took that as with this game was was canceled. And and when they got that was what that was uh, one of the officials or umpires. Then the other umpire at the end of the game had communicated to both schools. Uh, at, at home plate, when everybody came there at the at the conclusion, of the contest had con- had said, "This game is suspended, um, and and needs you know this game is suspended." Well, there's huge um, <laughs> difference between saying this game is done and this game is suspended. And ironically, um, what we thought was interesting was we didn't hear about it until Monday morning, yeah. and it came up in the officials' game report. And it said this game was suspended. Well, we didn't get a call from anybody. We didn't get a call from any of the schools. We didn't get a call from the officials. Nobody. We found out Monday. And John and I were in the office and said, man, this is, this is really brutal because, uh, you know, we're going to have to ask Fruita to come back over. And, and uh, they have to, if the umpire truly suspended it, obviously both schools left the contest thinking that the game was called because otherwise they have to believe that somebody would have, been curious about when are we going to continue this last inning tomorrow morning and nobody did and so it was it was really it it speaks to the fact that we've got to communicate better there's got to be better communication we did look in uh you know we're going to clean up some language and bylaws we immediately reached out to fruit of monument we immediately reached out to valor um that and and um you know we we talked and i will i give all the credit in the world to fruit of monuments athletic director and paul kane they did a great job we felt bad because of the communication, so I told Paul, um, I know that you're coming over for state anyway, but we will put the Fruit of Monument team up in the hotel. 
um, I feel so bad, um, you know, that they have to come back over. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where you, you, you have to do what the right thing is, as tough as it is. And I can guarantee you this. Um, one of the questions that was asked to me, and I, I said, people that know me will know this is true. Had the roles been reversed, I 100% guarantee you that we would have had Ballard travel back over to Fruita to play that one inning. And if you don't believe that, you need to get to know me better. Right. Absolutely, so, Mike. Yeah, and, and, and look, we got a great text from Dave Bristol from Mountain Dave that you know, used to coach up at Plateau Valley. You know, that he appreciates you being in charge of Chassa because you understand the, the challenges on this side of the hill. And yeah, I, look, I, I know there's, there was zero doubt that if that, the roles would have been reversed, Valor Christian would have been over here, and you guys wouldn't have yep. you know, uh, thought about that for a single second. I, I got one more I have to ask you off, off the text line here yeah. that uh, that I'm, I'm not exactly sure the context that Homer Mark, what, you know, where this comes from, this is a personal thing or not involving a, okay. a student athlete of his, but uh, he, he wants to know why mental health and social-emotional health of a transfer student athlete is at the bottom of the list when, can, when considering hardship transfers for varsity athletes. I mean, what's no, I really, I, that's a really great question. And I would tell you, push back immediately and say that it is in no way at the bottom of the list. What, what we, in the, in the bylaws and constitution handbook, when we have uh, transfers, what the bylaws outline is that if, if there is mental or mental wellness issues or mental something ha- happening at the school that's affecting the child's mental health, all that the membership asks for is that there has to be a documented timeline. And a lot of times what we will get with, with a transfer request, and this is, a, this is also an education piece. We need the athletic directors to help communicate this to parents. When we just get a request that says, I'm moving my student from school A to school B because it's not the best place for them mentally. Um, what we need to be able to prove is that that's something that involves the school because does that necessitate a transfer would those same mental health concerns exist at a new school the other thing that we have to we have to do is be very careful careful of precedent I'm a firm believer that 95 percent of our bylaws are not intended to catch they're 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 intended to help present preserve the integrity of educationally based athletics which for about five percent of someone that is trying to maybe take advantage of the situation to say well I'd like to go over here and they say, well, this doesn't, isn't a great place for my, my student. They're being bullied, for instance, or the academic programming is not their best. We just have to be able to support the decision. And what the bylaws outline there is that there has to be a documented timeline of concerns. There has to be a documented that says, we've worked with the school, and the school can't help with these concerns. And here's our proof that we've documented this. And it really did necessitate the transfer to a new school. And that's what we have to look at. And it is always difficult because there is a little bit of subjectiveness to it. Um, but our responsibility is to make sure that we are protecting the integrity of the bylaws while also making sure that we protect the integrity of, of what's happening with our student-athletes. And if there is a proven um, mental health issue or wellness issue in any regard that can be documented that shows that the school was involved with it and really couldn't meet those needs, that's what we need to have to document that. So I really push back. At, and again, anyone that know me, I, I'm a former school counselor. Mental health is a huge, huge issue, and we want to do that. But when it comes to transfers, all we need to do is, is work with our parents to make sure that those concerns are documented and that the school played an active role or lack of an active role that necessitated them going to a new school. Mike, I always appreciate the time, and thanks for taking on you know some of these questions. That uh, absolutely, you know that I mean, I I appreciate the the candor as always, and uh, you're doing I, I think a sensational job, and uh, always appreciate the the time we get together. I'm glad we're able to make this kind of work out. You know, if not many every 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 month because of your busy schedule, but <laughs> uh, but at least for okay. me the the transition from one season to another, and and uh, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Back at you, and, and uh, wish all my friends over on the Western Slope. Uh, have a great holiday if I don't talk to you. I'll be over in January for the Cata Outreach. I think it's January 10th. So, Jim, hopefully we can catch up and maybe grab lunch. Okay, I, lunch is on me. Okay, if you get over here. All right, lunch. Okay, mate, you, you, good. You, 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 so no, you've got to, now you have another reason to come over here, because I'm buying. Okay? <laughs> Free lunch. All right, <laughs> give Rio my best and give Kendra my best, bud. Okay, take Kendra care. Okay, take care, right. Mike. Thank you so much. Mike Kruger. Chassis Commissioner.
Yeah, because you got to uh, scrape together those uh, Chick Fil A because it's coupons. a four. Because it's a four. Yeah, because yeah. he just wants to make a four-hour drive to come over and have lunch. Yep. Because it's on me. All right, eight thirty-five. Appreciate Mike coming on today. Another Mike, Mike Rice. Yes. Eight fifty KOA is going to join us in a moment. Our Broncos report brought to you by Modern Classic Motors and Gallagher's Flooring. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado Sports Leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The team. Time to get in the huddle with the Broncos Radio Network's Mike Rice on the team. And it's time to talk Broncos with Mike Rice, 850 KOA, brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm well, Jim. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going okay. Uh, we've, uh, my apologies for running a little bit late this Well, running way late this morning. We've had uh, technical problems galore this morning. You you know what that's like, right, being in this business for as long as you have. You know, we, we have some uh, studio construction and renovation going on, so we know all about the gremlins right about now. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. If you're going through that, we've been through that uh, many, many times over the years, so I... Yeah, I feel for you, my friend. I really do. Like I, I feel for the rest of Broncos country. Um, an- another game where defense plays extremely well. Yes, they give up the late drive to Tyler Huntley and and the Ravens, but you got to win a ten nine football game, and your offense has to come up with more than three Brandon McManus field goals. And in Broncos country, going well, why didn't he hit that sixty three yarder? Because it's a sixty three yard field goal on the road. I. I just, you know, blaming the defense, blaming Brandon McManus, I just think some of that stuff is is ridiculous on the part of some folks in, in Broncos country. I agree. I mean, the fact of the matter is, yes, the Broncos have given up some late scores, but if you criticize the defense for those late drives, what you're really saying is they have to be perfect. And that's completely unrealistic. They've been as, as close to perfect as you could get. This is a Super Bowl-caliber defense, Jim. It's easy to lose sight of that because they're three and nine. They are on a historical low pace. Our, our executive producer Alan Jackson told me that the Broncos are one point ahead of their lowest scoring season in history, going back what sixty years of football. I, I mean, you cannot survive any year in the NFL, let alone in twenty twenty two, when you're scoring thirteen point eight points per game. Period. The end. It's the offense, and there's really no other place to look because if you look anywhere else and point the finger, then you're saying those guys have to be perfect. No one's going to be perfect in the course of a game. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, the Broncos, through 12 games, scored 173 points and allowed 209 in 1971 when they went 4-7-1. and one. There's some historical parallels there with a with a struggling offense for, for Jerry Smith. He was the interim coach at that time. Lou Saban got fired. And so the defense was outstanding with guys like Rich Tombstone Jackson. And we're kind of seeing the same thing here in 2022. And tremendous defense, horrible offense like they had back in 71. Jim, 18 points per game. Or if they had, if they had scored 18 points in regulation... In every game this year, what would they have? Two or three losses? It's yeah. mind blowing. It is mind blowing. We're not talking about twenty eight points. We're talking about eighteen points in regulation in every game or more. They would be at what nine and three or whatever it is ten and uh, ten and two something like that. It it blows your mind. Uh, they hired Coach Hackett to get this offense figured out, and they've gone in reverse. It, it's I anybody who, who thinks they have the answer, uh, I mean, email the Broncos because I don't know that there is an answer. I really don't. I think it's a multitude of things, uh, and I think ultimately it'll probably force the Broncos to go in another direction at head coach at the end of the season. Mike Rice, eight fifty KOA Broncos Radio Network, with us on the Team Sports Network, and it's. It's you know Clint Kubiak, who's now been the play caller the last couple of games, and it was even a change in in kind of how the Broncos approached the Ravens on Sunday. It was it was more ground heavy, more uh, you know two tight end sets, a commitment to running the football, and it, it doesn't it seems like it doesn't matter what they do, Mike. It doesn't work right now offensively. No, it doesn't, and and I don't really mind that approach uh, when against the Ravens. I mean, you're going to Baltimore. 
You haven't played well there historically. The offense is challenged. We know that. I don't mind the fact that they tried to run the ball, but you've got to convert third and one. Right. You, you've got to keep the chains moving. You've got to find a way to, to get a touchdown or two. They are just incapable of that right now. And, oh, my goodness, who knows what's going to happen this week when the Chiefs come to town. I mean, wouldn't it be fitting that the Broncos find a way to snap the streak and beat the Chiefs? <laughs> that, that'd be kind of how the season would would be going yeah that would yeah yeah go figure right yeah of course they of course they can you know they get a win against the chiefs which i don't think is probably going to happen but uh you know because your your offense is going to have to keep the ball away from patrick mahomes and this offense this offense can't do that it just it simply can't do that well even if you keep the ball away from patrick mahomes i mean realistically 17 points from the chiefs is going to beat the broncos the way the season's gone and, I mean, do you have any confidence, Jim, that the Broncos can crack 20, even against the Chiefs? No. I don't until I see it. I don't have any confidence it'll happen. Corlin Sutton with a hamstring injury. So he's day-to-day. So here we go with more wide receiver injuries, more more injuries for this football team. And, a, and a, you know, it was good to get Jerry Judy back. He certainly had a, an impact on the game on Sunday. But it just seems like you know every week it's an, another guy goes down, in particular on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, there's no question, and and that's that just goes to show that they have nobody there right now. They've lost every significant wide receiver, uh, and it's slim pickings. I, don't, I mean, it, it, from that standpoint, Hackett's in a tough spot, but they have to find a way to try and work around it. I guess. Mike Rice, eight fifty KOA Broncos Radio Network. I I, I did like the. The, getting Greg Dolchich involved in the offense once again because it seemed like the last couple of games he's kind of disappeared. It was good to see him have that kind of impact like he had on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's a weapon. Why not keep feeding him, Jim? If yeah. it's working, go back and go back and go back. And they, they don't seem to stick with something that works. Yeah, I, I think that's just been kind of how it goes. Hey, we appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good. Thanks, Jim. All right, take care. All right, Mike Rice, 850-KOA, Broncos Radio Network. Appreciate Mike hanging out with us a little bit longer than normal. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, of course, we'll have the game coming up mm-hmm. on Sunday. Broncos and the Chiefs, that's the one that got flexed out of primetime. And noon, rightfully so, and to right, be honest. And, and rightfully so, noon pregame, 205 kickoff for that one coming up on Sunday. I don't know why they waited so late. Couldn't they put, you know, Chiefs Bengals? Into the last Sunday's window instead of Colts Cowboys. Yeah. Or is it still in the too early in the season to be flex schedule? It's Chiefs Broncos the first week of flex scheduling. I can't remember when it is. I thought it was always like week twelve, but with the seventeenth game, I didn't know if they moved it back. Right, and, and so, so. The, there's the changes in in the schedule coming up. This is yeah. December seventeenth. Colts at Vikings, Ravens at Browns, Dolphins at Bills. Falcons at Saints, Patriots at Raiders, and Giants at Commanders. Mm-hmm. And so the Colts-Vikings, that's the Saturday game. Likewise for Ravens-Browns, Dolphins-Bills, and that triple header on December 17th, which we'll have here on the yep. team. And then you got the, the Falcons at the Saints uh, that, that was changed, and that's uh, the 11 o'clock game on, on Fox on on the 18th. And then Patriots at Raiders is your uh, late game on Fox on the 18th. And then Giants and Commanders, who would have thought that? Your, su- your Sunday night game on December 18th. Can they tie again? <laughs> I think they can. NBC's hoping not. <laughs> I think they can, though. Oh, I, they can. But NBC is certainly keeping their fingers crossed that that doesn't happen. All right. So uh, we'll take a break. We'll have pole dancing coming up. But right now, we need to play Triple Play Records Stadium Cinema. Know your sports TV shows and movies? Let's play Stadium Cinema on the team. All right, first correct answer on the Chick-fil-A text line, 970-242-1340. Gets the downtown double play, which will play a $20 gift certificate to Triple Play Records and a small antipasto salad, courtesy of our friends at Junction Square Pizza. Now, this one is a, it's a little bit to unpack. Last week, Clarence Gilliard passed away. Former uh, Walker, Texas Ranger yep. uh, co-star with uh, Chuck Norris and Chuck Norris Facts, which are hilarious. Uh, Clarence Gilliard was also in one of our favorite Christmas movies here on the Jim Davis Show. And in this Christmas movie, they were watching a football game very early on in the movie. 
What football game were boy, they we're watching? S- boy, we're stretching here. In this classic Christmas movie. Oh, my God, the quarterback is toast. There's Clarence Gilliard. And he mentions quarterback. That's a sports position, I, from what I understand. <laughs> yes. Which football? It's a college movie or a college football game. What game noted national rivalry game? Were they watching very early on in that movie? Man, you are stretching with this one. But that's, that's a, it works. Yeah. It works. It's different than what we normally do. Still sports related. Yeah. All right. So first correct answer to win the downtown double play with triple play. You get the gift card to triple play records on Main Street and a small Anapasto salad from Junction Square Pizza. Text only. Text in your answer. If you've won the last two weeks, sit it out. To the Chick Fil A breakfast team phone line nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the Team one hundred one FM thirteen forty AM Grand Junction one hundred two point one FM Delta Montrose. We got it together, didn't we? All right, coming to the stage, yeah. it's Amber. We've Remember, everybody, fourteen dollar Kamikaze. Let me ask you a question. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. All right, it's our top five NFL, top five college football, which has lost a little of the drama now that we have the college football playoff field set. But Oh, there's always drama. How can I get through five and an honorable mention without putting in one of the playoff teams. Now, I didn't that's do an, the drama every week. I didn't do an honorable mention for the bowl games. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, here we go. It's our uh, pole dancing. We start out with, of course, our top five in the NFL. And honorable mention as well. My honorable mm-hmm. mention this week. If I can find it. It's been one of, it's just been it's one been of one those days. It's been one of those days. Yeah. Even though they're a 10-win team, I've got Minnesota as my honorable mention team. Yeah, a bit of a challenge. The Jets are much improved. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sold. I love the job Kevin O'Connell's doing, but I'm not entirely sold on how good the Vikings really are. But they are good enough to win 10 games, but I've got them honorable mention because I think the teams in front of them have the potential of going much deeper in the postseason. So I have Minnesota's my honorable mention. Cincinnati's my number five team coming off the win. Another win against Kansas City. Yeah, they're they surging right now. Right. They have 10 wins. I don't have Minnesota in the top five. They're not my honorable mention. My honorable mention is a team that may get worse, may pick up Baker Mayfield. We don't really know. San Francisco, they're only an honorable mention because of Jimmy G's injury. If he was healthy, they'd be in the top five for sure because I think they could be a very dangerous team with a healthy quarterback situation that's not named Brock Purdy. I have the Cincinnati Bengals as my number five team. Okay, my number four team. I, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Playing great on both sides of the football. Had the huge offensive game the other night. I've got the Cowboys as my number four team right now. I have uh, the Buffalo Bills as my number four team. There's a little, there's some cracks in the wagon wheel, so to speak, if you will. But I have Buffalo number four. I have Kansas City as my number three team. I don't have San Francisco in here, though I do like San really? Francisco yeah. a lot. I don't have them in this week because I'm a little uncertain about the Brock Purdy situation moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I am as well. So they are worthy of being in here, but I don't have them in. Even though Kansas City lost, I still think it's Buffalo and them. Now now Cincinnati, those are the, the, the three class teams of the mm-hmm. AFC. I do have the Chiefs coming off a loss. At, at number three. I as well. I I do. The only reason I have Cincinnati below them is because they're still one game worse. They're 8-4 to the Chiefs 9-3. The only teams I have ahead of Kansas City have more wins or as many wins. I have the Chiefs at number three. And I've got Buffalo number two and Philadelphia number one. Agreed. All right, move on to college football. Yes. USC is my honorable mention because they got to a cha- they got yeah. to their pack they got the Pac-12 championship game. Mm-hmm. I've got Clemson as my number five team. Reverse those. I have the same two teams. Clemson, honorable mention, USC, number five. 
100% Caleb Williams. I still don't know if they win that game because yeah. the defense was horror awful terrible. But I still have the Trojans number five. Yeah, Alex Grinch's defense got lit up by Utah. Yeah. I've got Ohio State as my number four team. I have Ohio State number four. TCU number three, Michigan number two, Georgia number one. I have the Pac-12 champions, Utah number three. Ah, that's a good one. The Horny Frogs number two, and Georgia number one. Sorry, sorry to San Francisco. Sorry to Utah. You both deserve some kind of consideration. Yeah. Sorry to Minnesota. Not sorry at all to the team <laughs> up north. All I right. still hate you. So our top five bowl games that are not New Year's Day games. Yeah. Most interesting to you, yeah. however you want to define that. I don't really have these in order. I'm just going to very quickly. Okay. The Fenway Bowl, Cincinnati and Louisville because Scott Satterfield is leaving Louisville yeah, to coach to at to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And uh-huh. he's not going to coach at either one, apparently, right. in the bowl and game. the regional aspect. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, I'll just go through mine quickly. Okay. Alamo, the Alamo Bowl, Washington, Texas, two surging programs mm-hmm. there. The uh, Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. <laughs> I almost put this one. You got Mountain West against Pac-12, Fresno State against Washington State for John Boyer. Yep. On the uh, the Washington State staff. Or no, he's not, I'm sorry, he's Oregon State, excuse me. Not for John, but because Washington State, yeah. they've had a good season. Yeah. Sorry, John. Oregon State for John Boyer on that one. And then I've got the Music City Bowl because I love, you know, it's my Iowa Hawkeyes, mm-hmm. Iowa, Kentucky. And then the Celebration Bowl because it's Coach Prime, Jackson State, go. and North Carolina Central. Uh, my honorable mention, Armed Forces Bowl, Baylor Air Force. I think that'll be interesting. Two different offenses. My apologies to Air Force. Liberty Bowl, Arkansas versus Kansas, the names. That's just, to me, that is a nerd thing. Fenway Bowl because of the regional aspect. Maction meets Waction. In the Quick Lane Bowl, I know New Mexico State's a football independent, but they're in the whack and everything else, taking on Bowling Green. I have the Alamo Bowl for the reasons you mentioned. The Las Vegas Bowl, Florida, Oregon State, yeah. rare mascots. For John Boyer. In Sin City, Gators and Beavers. All right. That is pole dancing for today, hour three coming.